I'm Nick Torres. I'm Ashley Argoda. And, and we are Mismo. Today we talk to Peter Allen Vogt. You know him from Princess Diaries 2, American Horror Story, and Hannah Montana. And we know him because he's one of my best friends in the entire world, and now he's a groomsman in our wedding. That's right. We had a really great talk with Peter about school, friendship in the industry, and as always, he was hilarious. Enjoy the episode. Hey. Please welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Peter Allen Vote. This Thank is you. not what we normally do. We don't do it like that. No, we usually you. literally just start and it's fine. But we This figured, is a better beginning. I feel like you just deserve that kind of love and respect. You feel me? I Thank you. He said he was going to drink water on this podcast. I wanted to drink water. I, I appreciate you. We're 22 seconds in and we've got one weird sound effect. Something for the listeners at home, maybe if you're playing a drinking game with this, just to keep a... Every time you hear a weird sound effect, you drink. Oh, <laughs> Can't do it. That's... Yeah, I can't do that. Um, oh, you once tried to, to say oh, to me in a, in a voice text, and it came out okra ha 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 ha. Uh-uh. <laughs> you, love, you know I love dictating things. I think I got to do it for the listeners just so they know how severe of a of a shortcoming this is. <clears throat> oh, cr- oh my god! Oh, cr- okay. Just order some okra. Those are real attempts. I know. Those are yeah. It's. I always say Fiona. She's an okra. Wow. Um, anyway, thanks for listening. Yep. Dun, 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 dun. The last end. one. Hi! Hi! This is coming out on your birthday! We think it is. It's going to it come will. out on your birthday. Well, that's the hope. But it's it's going to come out on December 16th, which is your birthday. Yes, I will be 27 and a half. Anyway. We don't have any... It will come out... We don't have to run this by anybody. I do not approve that photo. Oh, hell. So, happy birthday. Oh, thank you, future Mick. You're welcome, future Peter. Thank you, future Mrs. Mick. That's me! So Peter was supposed to be at our engagement, but he booked a show in at the La Mirada... La Mirada Theater, McCoy Rigby Productions. Of? Grumpy Old Men, the musical, West what? Coast premiere. What? Holla! You were so good in it. We got was, to see you as Harry the Mailman. I was Harry Mayberry, the mailman, who suffered so much. You really did. You were hurt a lot of the show. His character, not him as a human. Emotionally, oh. I felt it. Because as an actor, you want to feel those emotions. Hmm? <laughs> oh my God, Mother. I'm already going to cut so much. Um, <laughs> Are you going to leave that in? Yeah, probably. Okay. A lot of the things I say I'm going to cut, I'm probably going to leave in. Yeah, you're lazy. Thanks. I think it's a good look for a show if you talk about cutting stuff, but you leave it in. Um, <laughs> I agree. Now, just to get people caught up, you two know each other. I've been best, best friends for, what, five years? Almost. Five times 20, so what is that? Four. 54 years. You met doing a show, and Ashley geeked out about you. Because you were in a particular film that Ashley loves. Princess Diaries 2. But I didn't know this. Say the full name. 
Peter on the Boat stars in Princess Diaries. No. <laughs> it deserves the full name. Princess Diaries 2, The Royal Engagement. Oh, okay. that one. We don't use that full title much. I do because I give it the respect it deserves. Wow. Thank you. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. Apparently I came in the room and she was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I sat down and stared at everybody and tried to memorize their names. <laughs> so I would just sit there and when someone said someone's name, I'd go, Ashley, 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 Mark, 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 Mark. That's what I was doing the whole time. Everyone else is learning music and talking to each other, and I just kept staring at people and trying to memorize their names. That's fair. There were a lot of people in that first cast. It's a small room. So yeah, we met doing a show called Romeo and Juliet, Love is a Battlefield, and you played... Father Capulet. And you played... Juliet. Juliet. Juliet, 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 Juliet. Do you remember it now? I do now. Was there any point in the rehearsal process where you didn't know my name? No. You always knew my name. Yes. Oh, that's great. Because I knew you were my daughter. And I knew right. that we had really amazing scenes together. Right. So I knew I had to learn. Like, I knew your name. Plus, Ashley's a good name. It's not like it's not like a crazy name to learn. Do you know what I mean? Thank you. But, like, Brad and Bradley. Right. Like, which was which? And Jameson, other than Whiskey, who's going to use that name? That's true. And just a lot of, a lot of people in that cast. It was a... It was quite a large cast. and I just wanted to do that. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I am terrible at people's names. I didn't know your name for a while. And then I didn't, when I learned your first name, didn't know how to pronounce your last name. Nobody ever knows how to pronounce my last name. Vagit. Yeah, they say Vagit or Voit, even though there's not an I in it. Right. Some There's a version spelled with an H. It's V-O-G-T. So it's just vote because mm-hmm. the O and the G create that ugh sound what sound was that oh very german but some people have an h because when you put the h in it Uh it's more that's more of a vote right interesting really sure so i didn't tell peter that i was a fan of the princess diaries because i was trying not to be an idiot and then one of our cast members i walked in one day and i had tweeted something about how excited I was that I got to work with somebody who was in one of my favorite movies. And she, I walked into her basically telling you what I said on Twitter and it was super embarrassing, but I'm also very grateful for it because we started such a special friendship. (laughs) And we were never apart to this day. That's true. We spend way too much time together. 90% of our time together I think besides my fiance, you are the person I talk to the most in my life. Same for me. Really? Yeah. Besides your fiance? Besides your fiance. Oh. <laughs> That's fair. But we've had a pretty amazing friendship. We've gone to Iceland and London together. Yes. We've fulfilled that dream together. We've done Vegas. We've done Vegas. We've done my car dying. My car dies at times and sure. won't start. Sometimes it just, you know... Wants to take a nap, and it tells us by just not starting. By not starting. Palm Springs. Yeah, and Palm, a lot in Palm Springs. Palm Springs a couple of times. Vegas, it did that. And the did parking that in garage. Vegas, and you <laughs> ran, like, just booked it up the parking garage just in hopes it started. It they came out. They came inside. We were checking into a hotel in Vegas, and the guy comes up to me and goes, your car's not going to start, and if you don't move it, we're going to ticket you or something. And I was like, but if it doesn't start, how am I going to move it? And he just stared at me. So I walked outside, it started, and in a panic, 
I screeched the tires and drove up a parking garage seven stories to where I could find a parking spot and then pulled in backwards just in case. But the car was fine from that point on. Like it let go years. Right. But then we checked into the room. We get there. And we're like hanging out. Your brother Paul came to like visit us because they were in Vegas. And My they brother like, was doing the show. Yeah, he was doing, he was doing a show, and that's why we were in Vegas. Yeah, he came to like say hi to us in the room. And our friend Paul Vato mm-hmm. hooked us up in this hotel. Gives a really great rate. So then we open. Like at this point, we'd been in there like twenty minutes. I had like already opened something to eat. Like I was hungry, so I started like eating things. And then I opened the closet. And there were clothes in there, and we were like, oh, man, somebody left their clothes in here. That's so crazy. We got to tell the front desk. And I walked into the bathroom, and there were toiletries everywhere. And we looked at each other, and we were like, this is somebody's room. Somebody's currently So we did room. what everybody would do. We start filming. I literally, I was like, oh, no, this is somebody's room. And I turned on my camera, and I think I got as far as, like, showing the toiletries on camera. Oh, no, we got the closet. And the closet. And then we hear the, the, the door, door opening. Jiggle, and we were like, ah! The person came to the room and there's two people standing there. So he opens the door and we're like, hey, they gave us your room and uh, we haven't touched anything and we're going to leave right now. Yep. It was so awkward. And he was like this... He was so a guy nice. From he closed Texas. the door. He was he like super Texas. drunk. Yeah, he was, he was like, drunk. He was like, he wanted to hang out. He was like, hey man, if you, you know, I have the extra bed. So if you guys need the room, no worries. You just come right back. And we we're like, no, we're going to go. And figure this out. So then they gave us another room, but it was on the floor that they were doing construction. Oh my god! So there were like, if you went down one hallway, it was like nails. We went into one of the rooms. Rolled and it was a like, carpet, a toilet sitting in the hallway. But like broken. Yeah. It was insane. But then if you turned left to go to our room, it was like it was fine. It was just like a normal. It looked hotel. normal. Yeah. But then like some rooms were open because they had no door handles. And we would just walk through, and it was it was scary. They had one of those, like, ghost lights that they use, like, when stages oh, right. go dark and stuff like that, that was in the middle of the room. It was like a haunted house. It was crazy. Other I, than all of the dead mobsters, it was pretty decent. Yeah, it was pretty great. I really liked it a lot. And the mobsters were nice, so, like... They were nice. It was fine. So you're one of ten children. <laughs> that is called a segue, everybody, if you're listening to us right now. Yeah. Look up the word... Segway. Why is your voice doing this? Are you doing a sleep tape? No, I'm doing the like the aside. Oh, okay. Sorry. Go on. An aside is when someone says something to the side of things. This is so. Let's do the rest of it like that, one word at a time. We just fill each other. Like one word story. Ready? Yeah. Once. I. Went. To. Vegas. Then. Amelia. Hit. Her car hard on my kneecap. It's one word. It's the first improv warm up game we've done on the show. Wow, <laughs> that was great. So, you're one of 10 kids. I am one of 10 kids. And I know this story, but where did you grow up? How did you, how did you get started? My mother gave birth to me. Wow, that's a good start. It's a good start. I got started. <laughs> I was born in an igloo in Alaska, New York. He's lying. He's literally lying. It's not where he's. He's from Buffalo. Buffalo, New York. (laughs) Well, actually, the town of Tonawanda. New York 
Yeah, where I'm from, <laughs> the Buffalo region, uh-huh. has crazy town names. So there's the city of Tonawana, North Tonawana, Town of Tonawana, Chictawaga, and Lackawanna. I did not know any of this. I'm fascinated. This, How's Tana Tonawanda? Town of Tonawanda. Town, uh, town oh, of Tonawanda. Oh, I got know. it. I'm with you now. You said it real fast. I know. Okay. Town of Tonawanda. North Tonawanda. Right. City of Tonawanda. We were doing wow. a show. We moved to Orlando. We were doing a production of Sweeney Todd. And they ask you to stand up, say your name, and say where you're from. So I think Paul was first and so said his name and said he's from, he goes, and I'm from the town of Tonawanda. And across the room, this woman, this girl stands up and says, Chictawaga. And I went, no way. Lackawanna, Chictawaga, Tonawanda. And everyone's like, what is happening? <laughs> but we were just shouting out towns that we lived around. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. I just... I always say. Well, I just say Buffalo. But yeah, we lived in the town of Tonawanda. Right. A sleepy little New York hamlet where I did no hamlet. Right. Um, No, it's just like just a town. So you're from a town Town born by a mother. Born by a mother. Then you go to, you get into acting. How is it? it, You you studied it in college. It's a weird, weird thing. I guess we should say I have a twin brother, for those people who are listening don't know. Mm-hmm. I have an identical twin brother who is also in the industry. So growing up, no one in our family was involved in theater or anything like that. We were just none of it. And um, Paul and I would gravitate towards it. Now, growing up, my one brother played trumpet, and I thought that was cool, so I took trumpet lessons. And then um, Paul took drums. And then when we got into high school, he got into like the show choir and I had started playing drums and I was in the band playing drums. Then we auditioned for our first musical together, which was how to succeed in business without really trying. And we got cast as just like chorus guys, but we played these cops and they did a psych gag, us being twins. And from that point on, we started doing shows, but I don't think we ever... I don't know. Like, I never really said, this is what I'm going to do. But I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed singing. I enjoyed doing music. And I enjoyed doing the musicals. But I also started getting in all the plays. My first play I did was Arsenic and Old Lace. And then um, I did a really great murder mystery play. It's not well known. It's called Exit Who. It's a farce. Really, really funny about people in New Hampshire. And murders happen. And it's really hysterical. And it was a lot of fun to do. So, like, and then... While we were in high school, we started doing college productions and community productions and started doing shows with our teachers because a lot of our teachers were performers. And then as we went into college, we started doing professional theater. But when I was in college, I went for music, performance in opera and studied psychology. And then one day said, why am I paying for my college through being an actor? Because Buffalo has a ton of professional theaters. So then I changed my major and got a a BFA in acting with a minor in music performance and psychology. You're so smart. It wears off. Does it? Yes. Now that I'm 27 and a half. It wore off so quickly. Happy birthday to me. (laughs) So yeah, so that was, I, that's how I kind of, but through like high school and, and grammar school, we did plays and we were always performing, but I don't think for me, at least I never thought this is what I wanted to be a lawyer. Originally, I wanted to be a lawyer, and then I wanted to be a writer, and I and I went to um, 
I went to a community college for the first semester of college before I went to the University of Buffalo, and I studied journalism. And I wrote a story that my teacher got published in one of those magazines that publishes everybody's stuff. And then I just kind of stopped writing. <laughs> but all during this, we were constantly doing shows. We, there's a summer musical theater workshop that we did every year um, that I you know, started off in chorus and became like the lead of the shows in five years. And it's a great community and family. So there was all these really exciting things. Paul and I both went to, um, we had one uh, competition that we got to go to New York, I think when we were 16, to perform monologues, like Shakespearean monologues and stuff. And we got that when we were on, I think we were 16 when that happened. And we both went to New York for this competition by ourselves. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. Big deal. Yeah. Was that your first time in It was my first time in New York City, yeah. It was crazy. So you go to New York, and then at what point, then you go to Florida before coming to L.A., right? Yeah, we graduated college. Paul uh, studied at a different, he went to Buffalo State College, and I went to the University of Buffalo. And he studied directing, as well as acting, I think art appreciation or art history or something like that. And I was doing shows with my university, but our university, because Buffalo has such an amazing theater community, they actually owned one of the theaters in the theater district downtown Buffalo. And I got to be the lead of the show that premiered that theater, which in the old days was known as the Town Casino, where it like was part of the vaudeville circuit. It's a very famous historical theater, Shays Buffalo. There's a phrase for vaudeville. If you don't make it in Buffalo, you can't make it anywhere. So <laughs> Buffalo was a very important uh, theater town for mm-hmm. a long time. And Paul joined a theater company called Toy Theater of Youth that performed in their theater but also went to schools. So he kind of like took a year off of school and did that. So we were both kind of had our own careers. We didn't work a ton together. We did one show at Toy together. Um, but I had like my places I was doing musicals and shows and he was doing his. And um, Buffalo has this great Shakespeare in the Park in the summer. It's an amazing organization, and I did several of those things. They actually rebuilt the Globe Theater in Delaware Park in Buffalo. It's beautiful. And uh, I worked on that. And then when you go to UB, you have to learn to do props and um, you know stagecraft and lighting and all that. So not only was an actor in the shows as well as working on the crew, which I thought was really helpful. Did you ever do Romeo and Juliet? No. No? No, no. We did... Um, we did Winter's Tale and Henry V, which was one of my mm-hmm. favorites. And um, I know Paul did Julius Caesar, and we did, uh, I can't remember the other one. Was our Romeo and Juliet the first Romeo and Juliet you've yes. done? Uh-huh, no, cool. actually, yes. Yeah? Yes. I mean, I studied it. Right. I had this amazing teacher, Jerry Finnegan, who was also a professor in Rochester at the mm-hmm. Codex School for Music for like opera singers. Mm-hmm. And he was my professor and like a mentor of mine. So he had us do like really heavy Shakespeare stuff, which was great. But the big project we did was Hamlet. Got it. And I played both Claudius and Polonius in Hamlet in this really crazy, like scene by scene like representation mm-hmm. and what he did with Hamlet was every time Hamlet's mood would change a new actor would step in so we had like guys girls older people younger people doing it so in the middle of like to be or not to be as his mood changed or his thought process changed a new actor would take it over it was really wow. cool it was really cool but I like what I liked about him and some of my other teachers was because I love to do comedy obviously but they were like 
No, you need to learn the basics. You need to learn the classics. You need to learn how to be a really good actor. Mm -hmm. And from that, all else will come. And that's why, you know, like dancers, you know, I actually took years of ballet and I took years of jazz and tap because you have to, even just if you're just a person who moves, you have to understand the basics. Mm -hmm. And the same with music, like opera and classical stuff, the the, you know, the Italian romantic songs, you have to learn those things to be able to sing the pop music. Right. That's why I talk about Pat Benatar. She's an amazing opera singer. Right. And now everyone else knows her. And she's also an amazing jazz singer. Yeah. She's got a great jazz album. This is boring. I'm boring. Well, that's a big thing we talk about. How uh, boring I am? No. <laughs> Do you ask everybody else on the show? <laughs> on a scale of one to ten, how boring is Fever about? <laughs> Thirteen. Um... Ooh. One of 13. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about friends in the industry. You, you to me, are such a, a journeyman of just making it work. I'm going to spoil for the audience. You are not 27 and a half. I'm so sorry. 35. 36. Don't, don't you do. We're not going to. It doesn't matter. Thank you. Age is but a number. And a cask. His butt full of whiskey. That's deep. Shakespeare told me that when we were doing his first play. Oh, wow. I knew you were friends with him. Anyway, go on. You have a lot of friends who you've worked with. You and Ashley obviously became very good friends. So what what do you feel is... Because I feel like working with people, doing good work with them... They talk about it. That tends to be the way that people end up getting more work than anything else. The avenues of if you were if you were seventeen and you're asking how do I like get auditions, the truth is just start doing it, keep doing it, do a good job every time, and then it it builds on itself. Right. So the question I'm asking you is how has knowing people and leaving good impressions with people uh, influenced your career? That is a longest way to a really great question. <laughs> we'll probably cut all of the rambling and just Don't. go straight I to the question. No, I'm going to leave that. I say leave it in. That's great. This is a great question. You're right, yeah. It's a great question. We kind of were talking about this earlier. I have a lot of great friends, a lot of successful friends, people I've known for years and for different reasons that have some have surpassed me in the sense of celebrity and money, and some have, in my estimation, surpassed me in the sense of, you know, longevity in what they're doing. And even though people may not know their names, they are still performers who have made a great living, who've raised a family and own homes and are comfortable because of being performers. My style, I guess, is I don't become friends with people to see what they can do for me. And some might go, oh, that's so honorable. And some might go, boy, that's really stupid. Because I don't believe in using people that way. And maybe I could be further along in a career or have a home or have a series if I knew how to do that. And I do envy people that can do that. But I'm just not built that way. You know, I have I have friends who have used me in in productions, which I've been very grateful for. But... I've never turned to someone and said, we're friends, you should use me in this. I would like to think that I work really hard. I don't know if you have this in your show, but I'm going to create this and call it the moment of honesty. And I think from this point on, it should be in every podcast that you do. Great. 
So my moment of honesty would be as a performer, because I do get passionate, I kind of get blinded and it can become very, not difficult, but I can become very abrupt because I just believe in let's just get to it. I don't, I just want to get to it. I want to get, if you need me to do something, just tell me. I don't want to play the nice game. I don't want to play the compliment sandwich. That mm. drives me crazy. But that's part of my training as an actor. I was always just trained to just do it. And if you don't do it right, fix it and do it again. You got to fail to succeed. So you're never always going to be perfect. But what drives me the craziest is when someone says, that was great, but it wasn't great. And I don't mean beating yourself up. I don't mean walking out of a room and going, oh, I'm horrible. I mean, you have to be honest with yourself. I've gone into auditions and known I did the best I could at that moment and not booked the part. And that's fine. That's fine. And then there's time I've gone in and I have not done good. And I'll walk out and I'll go, you stayed up too late. You did not learn these lines. You did not focus on the character. You didn't create your arc. That's your fault. That's the responsibility for an actor. And sometimes I get beyond myself and my passion. So I know that sometimes... I can be gruff and abrupt to people, but I'm really just trying, like if I'm working for you, you're never going to have a more dedicated person working for you. But you may not identify that as my friend. You might think I'm being difficult. Does that make sense? That's interesting. Yeah. Because it's not my goal is to be difficult because you're my friend. So that makes me want to work harder for you than someone I'm just meeting for the first time. And I've been very lucky. I mean, I've done a lot of different projects and people have always enjoyed my work. I was lucky enough to do a web series where I won an acting award for comedy and Judd Hirsch won the same award for drama. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know? So I'm very grateful for what I've gotten. Uh, like anybody, of course, I wish I had more. I just don't know in this day and age how to become relevant or how to get those right parts or meet the right people because I personally think I'm really bad at networking. I think it's really important to network, even with my friends that are literally producers and writers create shows direct movies and i wish them all the best and i'm a huge fan of everybody's i don't hate anyone for their success i am a champion for everybody who's doing it that are my friends if you're not my friend i don't care what you do <laughs> well i think friends versus networking can be totally different things like there are events that you can go to and or i don't know there is networking. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, you're right. I mean, going to parties, going to like, if if someone you know who's 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 a friend is taking you to a famous person's party. I remember being invited to a John Singleton party in New York when I lived there, and I didn't go, and I probably should have gone. Why didn't you go? Because I wasn't feeling it. I was being scared a little bit. Okay. It was New York. I just moved there. You know, at that time, I think I was four years old. I still had diapers on. <laughs> And you got invited to a John Singleton party? I did. I was wow. super popular baby. Good for you. You might recognize me from my short series, Super Popular Baby on PBS. Oh. Saturdays at 3.15 a.m. I wasn't born in 1760, so I haven't seen it. So, Have you ever had a miscommunication where you thought that you were really great friends with somebody and then it was more of a business interaction a networking thing, you weren't as close to friends as you thought, and have, have you been burned? Yes. No, that was my question. No, I know, and I'm answering it for you because I know this has happened. Yes. Yes. I think it's a degree of how you want to take it, to be honest. It's a fair question. It, it throws in emotions into a business situation, if that makes sense. Mm. 
I have been a part of projects where, you know, I'll say, you know, I was lucky enough to be a part of a group that worked on Happy Days the Musical. And um, I played a part, Count Malachi, and Gary Marshall had cast me in that role. And I did a couple of the versions that they were doing as they started it off. Amazing people involved in that show. Gary Marshall himself, Penny Marshall was there. Carol King wrote music for it at one point. But he felt that my part needed to be, if the show went had a longer life, like if it actually went on tour or actually went to Broadway, Count Malachi needed to be the guy that would be able to understudy the Fonz. So my part had to be replaced. I had to be replaced in the show with a better looking, you know, beefy, good looking dude who could, if need be, on a tour or whatever, take over the part for um, Fonzie. So, and it was Paul and I, my brother and I, we were the Malachi brothers and we had a great time. It was handled with such great respect and such great professionalism. And it happens in this industry. You know what I mean? Like, we don't, you know, you hear the stories of like super famous people who were passed over for parts or people that got a part because those three didn't cut it. And they're like Academy Award winners. I mean, it's, it happens to all actors. You can't take it personal. But there are times that it is personal. Some other times will be people who, because you're friends with them and you believe you've worked really hard with them, and they see a shiny new object, whether it's somebody who's younger and prettier or can sing a higher note or has more followers, because in this day and age, that's part of it. Or they just decide to change like the gender of a role and they completely ignore you. They don't call you and they don't give you the respect of saying, hey, we're rewriting the concept, we're rewriting the show, we're not going to have you along but boy you know love you think you're amazing they just call they just knock you out of their life altogether that's when it's kind of not right and that's happened to me several times with people who I did think were my friends who I thought were really good people and who I cheered for and who I would have been first person in the front row watching that show without me in it supporting them had they treated me with the respect that I believe I was due for all the years I'd put in for them and it's happened to me more than once I think I think it's wrong. I think you should respect, not just because of your friends, but actors get a bad rap sometimes for their attitudes and for being divas, but we are the product and sometimes we do get caught up in things, but there's nothing wrong with turning to a person and thanking them for what they've done and saying, we're not going to be able to use you in this because we've changed the idea or the concept. I, I just think that that's part of the game. I know several really talented people that's happened to, as long as it's handled with class and kindness, I think it would be a better situation. But in my circumstances, for those few times, it was not. And I feel that I lost two people that I thought were really good friends of mine. And that, sadly, I don't root for them anymore. In the business side of it, what I've seen, being 27 and a half years old, <laughs> and having performed since Shakespeare was writing plays, um, you know, you start off when you're young, you do these great shows and everyone's buddies and their friends and even the family coffee thing we did. But in reality, it's a job. And one of the things I respect about Ash that she's kind of taught me is calling it work. I have to go to work today. Where before, I think, especially when you're starting out, you know, when I was going to college, I was doing shows that I was getting paid for, but I was also doing community theater or summer stock stuff. And those are where you make your buddies and your friends and everything like that. And that's great. It's a huge plus. But I don't think you should expect it. And I don't think it's bad if you walk out of a production and you don't ever talk to those people again. 
that's happened to me and there's no love loss. You know, I did, I, I've done some amazing plays. I've been lucky enough to do some great musicals. I've worked with some really amazing people and several people I haven't talked to, but if I saw them tomorrow, I'd be so happy to see them. And, and there are people that I've worked with for a millisecond who I'd never think to go up to and be like, hey, and they have been like, oh my God, how are you? What's going on? And some of them are very successful. So I think it just goes back to the thing. I know it sounds weird, especially people who know me. They're like, Rah. but it's that kindness thing. It's just, you know, we're all in it. Some are lucky enough to go further in it and make some really great money. And some are just in it for the love of it. But we're all in it in different levels. So when it comes to that side of it, I think friendships, honest friendships should endure. With Florida, Paul and I moved to Florida right after college. We were about out of college for about almost a year, if not a little less. We went and opened the parks in Disney. We were part of the crew that opened the Disney MGM Studios, now the Disney Hollywood Studios. Those, that group of people are still to this day our family. We performed together. We went through a lot together, but we also grew so close that it's odd that sometimes when I refer to home, I talk of Orlando. And I lived there for only about 10 years. But I still go back to Orlando for the holidays. I have family that lives there, real blood family, like relatives and such. But my friends that live there are the people that, those are my people. And we are there for each other. And several of them are very successful in the corporation for the Disney Corporation, Universal. But I don't expect any of them to do anything for me other than get me some discounts and get me in the parks. <laughs> but we all do that. But that's a great example of the bond that grew from the works that we did there. You know, we're all working actors. We're all getting paid. We all were successful. And then some of us came out here and have had different degrees of success. But that bond is what keeps us close. And even though some people I haven't seen in over a year, maybe even a little more, the second we see each other, we're right back to where we were. So it can happen, but I think it's more organic. And so I think when people force it, which I think Ashley and I have both experienced in some of our mm-hmm. productions where people just kind of force themselves on you and just become super familiar to you when it's like, this isn't working. That's when it, I think it becomes fake and insincere and kind of annoying. I think I've told you this before, but Lion King was my first instance of a, a job that I did where I wasn't friends with some of the people I was working with. Cause up until then, I started acting when I was five and I did like all this community theater stuff and like fun commercials and stuff. And I stayed friends with all of these people and I loved working with all those people. And then I did Lion King, which was, again, you can't take anything away from the experience because the experience was amazing, but there was somebody I worked with there that truly and very, very honestly made my life a living hell for a year. And it was really, really tough. And it's, it's so weird to think on the experience now because like I did love the experience, but it was the first time I think I worked somewhere where I was like, Oh, I guess you're not going to be friends with every single person you work with. Yeah. I don't think you have to be, you can yeah. still do a great job and you can still totally. connect on stage. Cause that's very important. Yeah. Like I don't feel like any of my work has ever suffered from not being someone's bestie. Mm-hmm. We are just a fluke. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. it just happened. There were other people involved in that. And slowly as they fell away, you know, we were still left together. And are to this day, 
we don't even, I don't even think we even really, for whatever reasons, don't really see or talk to any of the people mm-hmm. from there. And it's not like a bad thing. It's not like we shun them. But that's what happens sometimes in this industry. You know, I was, I was, we were all out last night as we were, and I was talking about certain people that we were with that I hadn't seen in a while yet. You saw how grateful, grace, great, gracious they all were. Okay. I'm just clapping. Um, <laughs> and we haven't seen each other in quite some time, but yet the friendship is still there. Do you know what I mean? And any single one of them could do something for any single one of each other. But that's not why we're friends. And I don't believe that in this industry, I think it's really important when you want to be with somebody who's a friend, and if they're in the industry, you should decide, is this going to be a friend or is this a network contact? Mm. And you should be honest and upfront with that. Again, I'm horrible at it. (laughs) I will be your friend or I won't be your friend. And a lot of people don't want to be my friend. I'm a lot to deal with. It is an important distinction to make, and people get it wrong all the time on either end of the spectrum. Yeah. And you could you could take two people who are working together, put them in different rooms, and get opposite answers. I have a question that I have, I think, asked every guest, almost every guest on the podcast so far. And now, Ashley's question. Ashley's question. Bop. I didn't realize we get music. By inviting Peter Allen Vogt onto our podcast. We're going to do an outro song. We're going to do our, uh, oh, do you want to just go ahead and, we no, have a let's band. Do, let's do it for, the, we'll do it at the end. After. Okay, we'll what's your question? Peter and I have a band. You remember it. Oh. We haven't sang for oh, you Oh my God, that band. Yeah. We, yeah. We gave the ska it a name. band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of Scottish, but we have a name for it now. It's oh. Scott-jacent. Yeah. Scott-adjacent. Like. I, I know what Scott-jacent like meant. Like I'm, you know successful adjacent anyway i ask all of our guests this question because i feel like they i think they've all had different answers so far but what do you think is the biggest misconception of being an actor tuna noodle casserole wait what (laughs) not what's the meaning of life what is the biggest misconception what do you think is the biggest misconception of being an actor from normal people or from other actors? Both. Oh, see, no one's asked that. Because yeah, I'm the smart one. No, there's usually no follow-up question. Yeah, but she always, both. Be, always ask questions. One, always ask questions. Two, what? don't ask a lot of questions. I think from the outside people, I think if they see you on TV, they think you're rich. Or they think you're successful. Mm. And they think that you are living this amazing life. They don't understand that our industry is the only industry where you have to apply for a job every day. Oh, that's so true. Always applying for the job. You don't, you know, those people, like I was just commenting on the people who are doing The Simpsons and how they've been doing it for like 32 years. And God bless any of them that are listening. So happy for them again. I rave for them. But holy cow, who wouldn't love to have a a gig performing for 32 years on any type of show? Right. Or even in theater. Like when you hear about people who've done like a Broadway show for over five or six years. It's amazing, mm-hmm. and it's rare. So any any type of person will see you and think you must be raking in the cash because they recognize you from TV, or they see you in a commercial, or they know that you've done a play with somebody famous. They don't get it. Like, mm. sometimes we're paid less than minimum wage. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not all that. It's not – it's what we have to do to get more work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think – 
we talked about this at one point, I think I was mentioning to you today. It's like, I literally have like five or six jobs that pay mm-hmm. different amounts of money here and there just so I can survive. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I would love, I'd love a movie or a TV show. I'm ready. Anybody who's listening, please give one. <laughs> but I think that's a huge misconception that people think we're just lazy lounging actors who are just like sitting by the pool and eating grapes because grapes are good. I think other performers kind of also have that misconception. I think people who are new to the industry think that because you have a resume and stuff like that, that you're doing better than you are, Mm -hmm. but also don't understand the work that you put into it. Nothing makes me more frustrated than when someone's like, yeah, I want to be an actor. What have you done? Nothing. What? (laughs) I know people that were in high school who never booked, got booked in a play, never did community theater, went to college and decided to take an acting class and want to be actors now. A lot of them don't make it. But it's that sense of performers that are lucky because I remember the first acting book, I wish I could remember the title of it, but you opened up and the first line of it was, if you have wealthy parents who believe in you, go into acting. No way. Yeah. That was the first line of this acting book because it's such a hard industry. Mm. And so I think, you know, with the, with all of the stuff, with all of the different channels that are available, with the Amazons and the Netflix and even beyond YouTube and TikTok and all of that, you just do enough stuff and it gives you some form of celebrity and it just depends who or what you're in front of. And I think that people don't understand the craft of it. And there are people that are amazing actors. There's that term that you hear on everything, that he's an actor's actor. Mm. And nobody in the world knows who he is. Musicians are like that. There's, I know this drummer and every drummer in the world thinks he's the most amazing drummer in the world. He's the best. But nobody knows who he is because he's not famous. He's not a celebrity. He's not in a, a famous band. And people who don't understand what it takes to do what we do, even fellow actors who've taken like one class and think they're your equal, mm. or because they got lucky on a joke, think they're funny, <laughs> you know, or just because they happen to have that perfect body and that great look in the camera, think that they're talented. I'm not saying those people don't exist, but I think we all know. There's a lot more that take for granted what we all do to get where we are. And it's hard. But the beauty of it, too, is it's like a job you never have to retire from. It's a job you can leave. You can Mm. go and do real estate for 16 years and then come back to it. Yeah. It'll always be with you. But it is a job that we're constantly interviewing for every day. And especially now with social media, there are days that I don't think of posting And it makes me nervous. That was my next question. How do you feel about social media? I don't think social media should equate your ability and talent. Bless you. I I just don't get it. I don't get why people do that. Especially when it comes to local things. Like, uh, Mm. and you and I have discussed this. I don't know why somebody who is not talented enough to do a part gets cast in a part because they have 2.1 million followers. Because those people aren't going to all come see that show. Yeah. They may not even tune into your show or go see your movie. So unless a person's talented, I don't understand why, because they have a lot of numbers. I know a lot of people are very, very talented performers who don't get the opportunity to get in front of the big directors or the big casting people because they don't have enough followers. Yeah. Because they're busy being a good actor or performer or singer instead of sitting in front of their phone or a camera. And throwing stuff up on the web. It just it just doesn't... I don't get it. 
But neither do the I. Sad thing is, it's a part of what we do. It's a part of what we have to do. So it's like, I get nervous when I look at my Instagram feed and I haven't done a story in an hour. And mm. I'll take a stupid picture or I'll find something and post it just to be, I'm still here. Don't forget, I'm here, you know. And the same with Facebook. It's like, I got other stuff to do than worry about whether or not people know that I had, you know, a deviled egg from a restaurant. I don't care that they know. But I post it. Oh, look, I went to a pumpkin farm. Yep. Look how much fun my fake life is having. Right. You know, I wish we could all post those times that we wake up in the morning and go, I can't do it today. I can't get out of bed. My life is horrible. I feel inadequate. I feel ugly. Mm -hmm. Like, where are those posts other than, what can I do to be sad? People help me out of it. Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, I don't know. That's my view. And everyone's going to hate me for it. Number one. No, be, I agree. <laughs> but this is going to be on the interwebs. First, I did like your pumpkin farm post that you posted yesterday. Thank you. We had a really great time. And everyone should be jealous. <laughs> Number two, just to present a counterpoint. There are parts of the job, because I went to theater school like you did, and I think in theater school you learn how to do what you think at the time is the work, but it's really the reward. The work is getting the job. The reward is doing the job. Mm. And now social media is part of the getting the job thing. So it used to be going around and submitting you know, headshots and resumes to casting directors or being out, being seen. I, you know, this is this is the part that's very intangible. And when you're talking to a theater student at a university and they're like, how do I get representation? How do I get jobs? And you're like, there is no real answer to give you other than like, do everything, try everything and see what works. They're used, I mean... I can't, I can't say that there were rules, but there were steps. I think that's a yeah. better phrase to say. There are steps to doing it. There are steps. There's doing, especially if you're in a decent school, and if you're in one of the bigger industry cities, Chicago, New York, L.A., maybe even in the southeast now, they have a lot of stuff going in there. Tyler Perry just opened an amazing studio. Mm -hmm. You hopefully get into a school that is training you well enough that you get in front of somebody that sees you. What I think is missing in all of these schools Harvard, Yale, I went to all of them and Great, visited. Yeah. I <laughs> but um, no one is teaching actors, to my knowledge, and if I'm wrong, call me on it and donate to my fund at Mismo, Peter Vogt's fund. If he's wrong, go follow him on Instagram. Follow me on Peter Instagram and tell me I'm wrong, but still give me money. <laughs> and still <But> follow him. <laughs> it's show business. It's not show have fun. It's not show hobby. It's, not sh it's show business. It's a job. And I never was taught how to choose the right headshot in college. I was never taught how to maintain my money properly from job to job. You know, I've been lucky enough to be a series regular, to a recurring on a hit show, to a guest star, to a co-star. I've been a really good part in movies and the one-line guy in movies. I've done commercials. I've done really great commercials and I've done horrible commercials that I know will surface one day when I get that TV series again and people will go, you're bad. <laughs> the money is always different. And even though the government and the government taxes you, if you do a $5,000 a week job for three weeks, you're getting taxed as if you're making $5,000 a week the whole year. You're not. I remember a friend of mine booked a TV show and we all thought, oh, you're rich, you're rich, you're rich. And she pointed out to us she was getting X amount of dollars a week. She was only working 22 weeks out of the year 
but being taxed as if she was making all of that money for a year. Mm. So really she was coming home with, you know, everyone thinks you're walking around with $25,000 a week. And she was lucky if she was making five grand a week, but only for 20 weeks. So everyone at home do the math because it's not, you're not rich. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, but they don't teach you, you can't spend all that money. You have to plan, you know? I mean, teachers go through the same thing. Teachers only teach the school year and then they have the summers off. And a lot of teachers have to get a second job. And people don't realize how hard that is. And not, I think teachers are amazing, so I'm not equating like actors with teachers. But unless you can be on a show for 32 years like The Simpsons, that gets amazing pay raises and gets you tons of work that you don't know what to do with yourself. As an actor, you should be taught money management. You should be taught business and how to market yourself, marketing, sales. Uh, a friend of mine once said that your agent is your salesperson and your manager is your marketing person and you have to treat them as such. And all of these things were amazing, but learn halfway through the game. And to, for me, probably not at all because I'm still, you know, playing guy to the left number three. No, I'm not. I'm okay. <laughs> but um, I think there's a lot lacking in any sort of school for acting because I think they only they make people turn into those people like I must have my center I must have my quiet I must have this moment instead of I can create but my creation is something that people should pay for whether you're union or non-union I, I, I don't want to get into the fight about which is better and all that sort of thing but I believe that you should be paid for your abilities because that is what you do a dentist doesn't get paid partial money because somebody wanted something different or because they wanted a non-union dentist. I mean, that's the other problem I have is like, what other industry, you know, really lets you be a professional at what you do, but then can like bring on other people and pay them less money for it? I guess there are, but it's frustrating. It's just frustrating that you can look at a national commercial and people see these people and we talked about this earlier and found out that it was like this amazing commercial and it was all non-union actors. Nothing against non-union actors, nothing against it. But when it's a major corporation and you see someone up there, you think that person is getting paid the big bucks. You used to book a car commercial and be able to live off of that money for a year. It's not that way anymore. And nobody's teaching anybody that. No one's explaining that to people. Even, even people like myself who have been in the industry for a while, it's like the rules change all the time. And I think that that type of education needs to happen. And education is important. Not just because you, you went to so-and-so's acting class or you went and took improv somewhere. That doesn't mean you're good. That's the other thing. Just because you take a class doesn't mean you're good. Someone very famous said, for every number one person in a the class, there's always that last person in the class and they have the same degree. So for every doctor that graduates number one out of his medical school, there's the same doctor that was number 495th, and they have the same degree. So I think that's that way for actors. Just because you went somewhere for six weeks did not mean you're great at what you're doing. It just means you took classes. Yeah, I don't know how... I, I was shocked after graduating theater school how like... Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm always negative about having a theater degree on here. I learned a lot. But let, me, let me change one thing, uh -huh. if I may. You keep calling it theater school. Where did you go to school? USC. Yeah. You went to USC for theater. You didn't go to theater school. Theater school is the groundlings. 
or UCB. You went to USC. That's respectable. You got a theater degree from USC. You didn't go to theater school. That's interesting. I also then went to... Do you know what I mean? Like... You also then did go to theater school. I but went then, to <laughs> Groundlings, and I... I and don't get me wrong. I love Groundlings. I, I love, think Groundlings yeah. is amazing. I think UCB is amazing. I'm not bashing I on that. both are. But I think it's important that you... I, this is another thing that actors need to do. You went to USC for theater. That's where you went. You didn't go to theater school. Okay. You went to USC. That's impressive. And you took acting at USC. And what is your degree? Yeah, theater and then also business. Yeah, well, you were one like of the we, smart ones. Like we talked about that. Yeah, exactly. The, but yeah. you didn't go to theater school. You didn't go to management school. You went to USC and got a degree in management and theater. Mm -hmm. I'll how you market yourself. See, I can talk about it, but I can't do it for myself. <laughs> da -na 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 -na. We're all learning. Well, thank you. It's interesting to me that when I go to an audition, I hand in my headshot, my resume... At the very bottom of my resume is the training section, and I have USC, Bachelor of Arts in Dramatic Arts. I don't even mention the fact that I also have uh, went to Marshall School of Business, and then UCB is on there. I mean, because that would be you don't silly. Need to. You don't That's need to. not for acting. What I'm yeah. saying is that you go into an acting audition, that doesn't matter as much as now what you were kind of talking about earlier. But in some places, that does matter still. I guess, but I feel like a million... You going to USC yeah. for, a, for a good production, for a good director, is going to mean that you took it seriously and you got trained. USC is respectable. If all you had on your thing was improv houses for one season, like one semester, yeah. and, you know, I can't even think of, like, you know, Jim's School of Acting and Animal Husbandry. <laughs> you know, that's not going <laughs> to... That's where they're going to go, no. But they see that you study. I mean, when you go to a university or a college, a conservatory situation, you're studying the art. You're studying the skills. You're, get, you're doing the on-the-job training stuff if you're at the right school. I think that's important. Education is important no matter how you slice it, at least with me. But in this business, on-the-job training is just as important. Actually, just went and spoke at USC. I was just gonna say, I I did go and speak at USC at a class that I didn't know until right before I did it. But I think you took the class like when you were in school. Well, it's acting one hundred and one, so every freshman yeah. class, anybody can take that. I didn't have the same professor, but right, yes, I but did take that. The current professor is a director that I worked with before, and he asked me to come and speak to the kids. And one of the kids asked about working while being in school. Now, I know I went to NYU not at the Tisch program, but I do know that if you are in the Tisch program, you're not allowed to have a manager, agent, any of that stuff. You can't work. Yeah. USC was the same can't way. Work. Yes. Apparently, US like at the Tisch program, if you have it, you can't be in the school, but I know at you or at least from what the students told me at USC, you can go and work, you can audition, it's just frowned upon. And like you can't miss classes because of an audition like they don't they don't support that that's stricter when i went to my university what i was going to say was i did shows because i that's how i paid for my schooling i was a waiter of course because right. every actor should be a waiter if none of you've been waiters you're not true actors sorry so ashley you can leave the room never waited no. nope all right you're both out this show is over thanks for listening our podcast has ended i do <laughs> I do randomly have a bartending license, but I never okay, used it. Okay, that's good. Never that's used good it. Oh, but you should, 
punches should stop talking, and that was one of them. <laughs> um, but in my university, the plus was going back to kind of tagging out what you're saying is the on-the-job training is I was taking classes during the day, but I was lucky enough to be working a lot with my professors. And when I was in high school and doing shows that were like college level or community, those teachers were also became my equals. And I learned a lot from them. That's the other thing I think people don't do is when you're on a set, when you're in a show, watch the other people. Watch the people that have been in the industry for a while. Watch how they work. Paul and I were lucky enough to do an episode of a show called Chicago Hope where we played Siamese twins. And it was our first day of filming. The director was a man named Peter Medic, who directed the movie Romeo's Bleeding. He's a great, amazing director. Mandy Patinkin was doing a scene that we were a part of. And the scene was that his daughter on the show had just had surgery, and he was checking on her. We were in the hospital situation. Paul and I were in the hospital bed. They were not three feet away from us. And all of a sudden, they said, okay, we're ready. Let's go. And action. And we couldn't hear a thing. Because they were performing so realistically and so quiet. He was being super quiet because it was his daughter. She just had surgery. Like they, it was literally, we, the two of us just looked at each other and were like, whoa, we have got to pull way back. We have got to get to a level that's equal to them. We, this is like a master class of master classes. And we did. And the nice thing was, is that at first they were a little worried about us because we're here come these two large, funny twins, but we needed to be dramatic. We needed to be serious and we especially needed to be in that scene. So I think it's important to pay attention and watch. I think it's important to listen and, and, and kind of identify things. But as far as like, I know Tish does that. Yale does the same thing. If you're in the master's program, I don't know about the undergrad, but the master's program, you cannot perform, but they also cast the master's program. Mm. At Yale, it's as if they're casting a, a company. They have a season, and you will perform on the stage and do shows. I saw John Turturro in one of his shows there. It was amazing. Torless and Cressida was unbelievable. And he was a student. So I think it's, it's something that can happen, but it depends on where you are, too. Well... The kid that was there and who asked the question was very frustrated because he was like, I don't understand why it is so frowned upon that, like, I've gotten this opportunity. He had an opportunity to go on set and shadow a director who was directing a very famous sitcom. And the school was very upset with him for doing that. He Like, he's obviously still in the school. He's fine. But, like, they just don't support people going out and doing that. And he to wanted... To me, that's... A, I'm going to interrupt you just for a second because to me, that's ridiculous. Yeah. If he's shadowing a director and if he wants to be a director, they should do everything in their power to make that happen. And that's where Which that's where I would have an issue. It should be I school said. credit or something. It doesn't yes. have to be school he was, credit. Well, he just shouldn't be frowned um, because that to me is exactly what you should do because unless they can give you that exact education, okay. they shouldn't be not allowing it. Which kind of answers the debate that I kind of had with this teacher because he was saying I didn't get school credit for it I tried to get school credit for it they said no and I was like well even if you're not getting school credit for it if this is what you want to do if you want to learn what it's like to be on a set and you have a director friend who's working on a huge set right now go forget the school credit it's life credit yeah do you know how many people would kill to have that opportunity exactly to shadow, if you want to be a director and you get to shadow a director on a very successful sitcom, yeah. 
that's a rarity. So as this kid is saying this to me, all of the kids in class now are like, yeah, I want to like, what if I want to go on audition for something? What if I like have an opportunity outside of this goal? Da, 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 da. And it became this whole class discussion. And I, I don't know if this is just because I get, I didn't go to school for it. So I can speak so much to learning from experience and like being on set with people who had been working forever and ever. And I was able to just watch them and learn from them. And that was my school. And I loved that. And I learned so much from that. But the professor basically was like, he kept going back to the question, then why are you here? Why are you in college then? Because if you want to go and do this, then quit school. He said, you should be enjoying this time in college and you should just be learning how to do what you are going to do and then you can do it. But I, I guess I if you have the opportunity for an experience or like if you have opportunities to go and audition for things, I guess I just don't see what's wrong with going and doing that as opposed to the teacher who thought do nothing, nothing in this profession for four years and just go to the school because he was like, if you're not going to do that, then leave school. You don't have to be here then. Then just go act. I think it comes down to it's it's very much a conservatory set mind where okay. conservatory is about studying the whatever you're studying. You know, if you're a dentist, you're learning to be a dentist. You don't go out and put braces on people. Right. So if you're in a conservatory atmosphere, yes. Again, I was very fortunate because I was doing shows mm -hmm. while still being educated by some really amazing professors and mentors and teachers but I was also learning while doing these shows you know right. there was never a time that I was like I got this and was your school pretty supportive of yes but I didn't that? expect school credit that's that's right. where it gets a little weird for me it's like I, right it's like you which is what I told the kid I was like yeah, I don't care if you get school credit. credit for it but go but and the, do it they shouldn't frown on that if anything yeah. they should let him do it and then come back and share his experience with the other students another girl said she had a friend who is a psych major who is also an actor and that her, her friend has a show on Netflix and she goes, the psych department has like, they will give him work so that he can go and shoot things. Like he, they are so supportive of him being on that show. And she was like, so the fact that a different department in this school is okay with an actor going to school at the same time is so crazy because the, the department of that industry is not supportive of that at all. Yeah. I find that odd. I mean, I right? would, especially because it's in this town. Yeah. I would think that unless you're in a true conservatory atmosphere, and a lot of people say if you're going to be in that type of a setting, it's more or less to really hone the craft or to be an educator of the craft. Mm. A lot of people will say, you know, those who get master's, the reason they get a master's is to teach. Okay. It's a way of continuing on. You can still be an actor, but you're getting a master's will help you get teaching jobs as an actor. You know, you become a, an acting teacher in a way. Okay. There's not, you know, if I'm casting a show and you walk in and you walk in and you have a master's and you've never went to college, but you're killing it and you can't even say the line right, you're going to get the part. Right. I don't care that you have a master's. Like, it's nice to see people have had training, but I think in the end, it's, it's that sense of, you know, wow, you had it. You gave me what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. You were able to take directions. You had the spark. You know what you're doing. That's where I think it's important when you get educated. But I also think that's a business side of thing. Like they don't, no one teaches you how to do an audition. Mm -hmm. When did you ever take an audition class? He was also saying that if he's like, if you focus on the four years that you're here, he was like, 
save yourself all the rejection. And I literally was like, so basically you're bubble wrapping yourself yeah. for four years because so much of what this business is, is literally being told no every single day but, until you finally hear yes. Yeah. And again, I was lucky because my university and even the school that Paul went to, they did productions. So I don't know if USC does they do, right? productions. Oh, yeah. We did a lot of productions. I did. They should be using the students in that sense. So the students shouldn't they feel they, like they, they should be auditioning for, for other stuff. You Please have, correct me if I'm wrong. But also, so if you, you're going to – this is another point of contention with me is a lot of kids are going to school for theater. And TV acting, commercial acting, different. and film acting are all three different things. Yeah. And I now chose. on top of that, throw in the social media stuff. So you get a social media person, YouTube star, or one of those TikTok people. They don't know how to act, but they're getting cast in movies and TV shows, and they're horrible because they don't know how to recreate something for the first time but have rehearsed it for 90 hours. The challenge of acting is recreating life but making it look like it's the real the first time you see it. Right. You so know? most of the universities are theater programs. Right. There are... At USC at the time, there was there were a couple of film classes, on-camera classes. I took every single one that was in the theater program. I chose USC. I only applied to schools in Southern California because I knew that I wanted to act primarily on film and television. I'll always do theater because that's how I started, uh, and I love it. But it was more like, if you want to be a dancer, you study ballet because then you can do basically anything um, with your body. You can pick up the rest of it more easily. I feel that probably, I agree that they're different mediums, they're, they require different performances. If you were to choose one to study and then be able to transfer that onto other mediums, I think theater is the, is the ballet of acting. It is the most difficult, it is the most on the actor. A theater professional is going to more easily and more with more grace be able to transition into film and television than somebody who's only ever been on camera then speaking to the back of a big auditorium because they don't know how to use their voice maybe. Oh, absolutely i agree with that 100 percent. i mean i'm theater trained yeah but you have to be willing to identify and know that you know in theater you do it now and that's it the words come out of your mouth you answer if you said the wrong line you keep going in a movie you stop. You go back. Same with some TV shows you can, some TV shows you can't. Some have a live audience, some don't. You know, movies are never filmed in front of a live audience. There's all that energy, the different types of energy that happen. And, and I don't think that people are, anybody's trained for that. If you're a theater actor, you're like, you know, da-da, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You can't do that in a TV show. You know, I, I worked for Disney, and like one day I had... I think I had a commercial audition for Toyota. I had a Disney audition for a show on the Disney Channel. And then I had an audition for Law & Order LA. <laughs> Couldn't be three more different things that you have to do with your look, your mind, your body, your voice, your intonations, your character, everything. And it's one of those days that I call it, what a great actor day. Because I got to go to these three different places and every place... I felt satisfied with what I did. I didn't book any of those jobs, <laughs> which is the wake-up call to America. You don't book everything. But I felt good about what I did in each one of those. And with the last one was the Law & Order one. And the woman was really impressed with what I did. 
And I said, I have to be honest, I've had a crazy day and told her and then showed her what my auditions looked like. You know, I did what I did in the other thing. And she was like, do you know how many people don't think of what you're doing? And I, and I, that's why I feel it was a great actor day. Didn't put, book the part, but I felt like I booked the room, which is a real big thing, you know? And I was called in a few more times for it, but, you know, you don't always book everything. But if you get a casting director that likes you enough, you eventually, you know, the law of averages, you'll get it, you'll book it. But you have to be able to identify where you're going and what to do in that room. So you can be theatrically trained, but unless you know, you have to turn it down to two. The first commercial I booked was a Ford commercial. And what happened was I got called back and I kept hearing them telling the people that were going before me they were too big. So I went in the bathroom and looked in a mirror and I kept doing the lines until they were, to my estimation, the most quiet, most boring thing I'd ever done in my life. And I booked it because my idea of what's subtle is not the camera's idea of what is subtle. But I was never trained on camera to and then see what I was doing. So that's why I used the mirror, because I was watching and watching and watching. Nope, it's too big. I got to bring it down, bring it down, bring it down. And that's what Paul and I learned in that first day on that show, Chicago Hope, was our level of normal is still too high <laughs> for the TV camera, because the TV camera picks up everything yeah. even more than a movie camera does my acting coach used to put a camera or like put her hand like near my face if i was ever being too big she was like the camera's right here you don't you literally don't have to scream at anyone because if the camera's here it knows every single thing you're doing it's nuts but to back to go back to what you were saying those that are trained in film and tv i find do not transfer the stage well because mm -hmm. they're too quiet they don't realize that you you only have one shot so i think it going that direction from TV and film to stage. If you're successful, congrats. But I don't think everyone's as successful as they think they are. One of the professor's points was that there are shows at USC and you can audition and you can get cast in them. And that's that prepares you for the rejection that you will face eventually in the business. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with what he said about that? Uh, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> so... The way that it's set up is everybody knows all of the shows. There's like nine shows a season, a semester. Everybody gets to go in and audition for the entire pool. But obviously, you don't get notified of every single audition that's happening. I didn't get in to. Really, yeah. In the actual business. You get to go in for either what's on Actors Access, LA Casting, and Backstage, or what your agent or manager is able to get you in for. Yes. So that's number one. The other thing I'll say about the shows at USC, I think they're getting better than since I went there at having the film school and the theater school get along. But at the time, there was very little crossover. And I, I thought, well, let me be friends with some of the kids in the film school. So a couple of my best buddies were in the uh, BCA program, which is Business and Cinematic Arts, and they're all agents or producers now. I was best friends with them, and then, um, you know, I worked with directors, so I did a ton of student films while I was there, and I Which did... I think is smart. Yeah, I think it's totally. super smart. We didn't have that in my school. Yeah, that was great, and I actually did get a lot of on-camera experience, and I did a lot of shows uh, on stage as well, but then you graduate, and you, you know, even if you were, like, one of the best in your class at school... It does not matter that that having a bunch of student film credits and 
show plays at USC that I did on my resume meant nothing to casting directors. So the issue is that then you graduate from theater school with zero credits because the school asked you not to audition for real stuff while you were there. Casting directors don't give a shit that you were great in your college. They want to see credits. They want to see how many times you've been on TV. They want to see what your Q rating is so that they can cast you and do their job. That is their job. But it you're starting off way behind all the kids who came right out of high school and just started acting and have credits on their resume now. And then you get all these kids who went to college and are used to a certain lifestyle and um, you know now they're poor. Now they can't get work and they're freaking out. And a lot of my peers have dropped. Yeah. They're no longer working. They're no they're in different industries because you just get crushed right out of school. Well, it's it's not easy. I mean, nobody nobody lies about that it's one of the toughest careers to choose. I mean, I truly count myself lucky. I mean, I'm not rich or famous, but I've literally been working as an actor since I was 19 and being paid for it. And now you're 27 and 27 and a half. But I mean, I have been very lucky. Not everyone has that story. Some people didn't start till later in life and have gotten super successful. Some people, you know, I've done shows with people who have been like, oh, yeah, I was an engineer for 25 years of my life. Now I'm in acting. You know, it's it's a different way of people getting in and out, but it's hard. And if you want a certain lifestyle, this is not the industry to go into. And many of my teachers in my university were like, we don't tell people to go into this, but you should go into this. And they were very supportive. But even, you know, going back to how you're saying, like your film school and your acting school were never together. I don't understand why schools do that. Because my music, the music department of my university and our theater department were not friendly towards each other. So there wasn't even a musical theater program. I believe mm. now there is. But I was literally in the music department, the theater department. I was even part of the dance department. And the dance and theater department were friendly but the music department was always segregated and they never did musicals. So it was very odd because my basic career of life has been musicals. And I don't know, again, that goes down to an education thing. It's like, why is that not something that they just all put together? You know, but also a lot of schools, you know, they're just as much of business as anything else. So my university is known for their law school and their dental school, you know, the things that make them money, the things that millionaires are going to graduate and become a millionaire in five years and you donate back to the school. Um, you know, yes, some famous people come out of my university, but it's the other departments, architecture, that are the ones that are, are paying for the school. And that's, I think, the same thing with something like USC is a little more lucky because you guys are right here in the thick of it. But he was saying... Basically, the professor said, if if you guys were going to school anywhere else, you wouldn't even be thinking of working while going to school. You guys are only saying this because you're in Los Angeles and there's a bunch of auditions here. I believe, I mean, if you were going, like, I don't know how it is. I know Northwestern's a great school. I know a lot of people have gone to Northwestern. Northwestern's one of those schools that is, if you go, hey, I went to Northwestern and the other person went to Northwestern, they're like, what can I do for you? Northwestern has an amazing society and family tie but Gary Marshall was a Northwestern guy and so many people that he surrounded himself were from Northwestern if you were from Northwestern Gary gave you an opportunity 
He was a great man at that. My school was, we were just a small theater group. You had to audition at one point to get into the other levels and it was hard and there was only a few of us. And out of my class, I think I'm the only one who's still in the business. Out of, you know, I think there's maybe 25 of us who graduated together because you just got whittled down, whittled down, whittled down because that took it very seriously. But again, I feel fortunate because I was able to perform in my community, which had professional theaters. But I think like if you're somewhere like Northwestern or if you're in the Midwest at a school that doesn't have this, you know, if you're in Florida, my guess is if you're at Rollins or somewhere in Tampa, you're not worried about it. But if you're in the heart of it here or in New York City, yeah, that's an itch that you want to scratch. And but do you I, think it's an itch that should be scratched? I don't know. It's it's hard to say because it's it's if it's something that the students want, then I think the school should learn a way to educate them in that if they don't want to lose them to that. Mm. So I think an audition class with people, I mean, you have the resources. I don't doubt there's a hundred casting directors that went to USC in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Bring them in and have them run workshops. Give your students amazing workshops. I mean, when we started working for the Disney Corporation years ago, they would give us these amazing workshops with, with people. I mean, we had a a vocal workshop with Mandy Patinkin. I mean, they brought in these amazing people to give the actors classes and make us feel fulfilled for what we were trying to do and, and make us better at what we were doing. So we were better performers for the company. So I think the university or the community college or whatever it is has the resources. I think they should educate for what the tools you're going to need. You don't teach a plumber how to fix a car and then say, now go be a plumber. So if you want actors to stay with you and learn from you, then give them what they're asking for, which is the opportunity to audition for something, the opportunity to learn about rejection, the opportunity to learn how to deal with the rejection, to not beat yourself up. Don't be that crazy person or don't create a story like, well, she just hated me, you know? Right. Everybody in the, it's all business, you know? These people are just doing their jobs. You go to an audition... For me, I feel the kiss of death at an audition is when they say, great job. <laughs> that makes me feel, I can book it. It's when they say things like, wait, how come I don't know who you are? Or when you get direction in an audition, that's like candy to me. Yeah. That means you've done something and you spark their interest and they want to see if they can work with you. That's great. If you do, if they say, uh, we gave you three scenes, we're only going to do one. And you do that one scene and they go, let's see the other two. That's a win. You should always be prepared to do all three. You should make yourself that guy that they say, let's see all three. And if you only get to do the first one, make sure it's the best you've ever done it. Find the arc. Even if it's at three lines, there's an arc. There's always. a reason they picked it. Find out why. Discover that. Learn it and commit to it. Because even if you're doing something that they never thought of, it doesn't mean you won't get it. I went to an audition. The part was for a bald man with a big nose. For those of you who don't know me, I'm not bald and I don't have a big nose. And he's supposed to be super short. I'm not short. And I booked it. I booked the part and it, it was against Kathy Griffin. It was a great role. It was a guest star on a good show. I had the best week and a half of my life. I improvised in the audition because I had to change some of the lines that talked about the physical appearance but I kept it in the tone of the show they were looking for. And everyone that went before me was yelling and screaming. And I was like, that's not how this guy is. This guy is looking for sympathy. 
And that's what got me the job, is I was being a sympathetic person instead of a screaming and yelling person. It's identifying that and finding that moment and creating it and making it real and making it yours. You're not always going to book the part, but be ready to go forward, you know? I should be charging for all of this, by the way. <laughs> what was, um, like, the the closest you thought or when a point in your career where you had a lot of things going really right for you and you start thinking, did you ever think, like, oh, I'm... I'm really going to take off. This is really happening big like I like I always hoped it was. I think when when I first moved to LA, Paul and I were very lucky to be on a TV series called Maximum Bob. Bo Bridges was the lead. Uh, Garrett Dillahunt, a lot of people know him from different stuff. Liz Vassi, uh, Kirsten Warren, just like a ton of people who are really successful now. We were all on that show together. And um, it was filmed in Miami. And so when we came out here, we thought, how many people come to L.A. with a TV series by Barry Sonnenfeld, the man who, you know. Series of unfortunate events. Series of unfortunate events, but also so like good. Men in Black. You know, Barry Sonnenfeld was huge at the time. It was like one of his pinnacles of his career. Everybody knew him. And he's a great man. He was great to work for. He was great to work with. And we thought, this is it. We got a TV series. We're going to L.A. We're at an amazing agency. Pick us up. Like everything that people struggle with for years. We were those jerks <laughs> yeah. that walked into L.A. with everything you've ever wanted. And the show ran seven episodes and was voted the best show in everybody's top tens. But that's when we learned about people and the business. And it doesn't always go your way. Even though the show was liked and people really enjoyed it, there were decisions made by the network and the studio and didn't go our way. And after seven episodes, the show was canceled, which... You know, you're like, wait, what? And then we got to do the Chicago Hopes, and we did two episodes on Chicago Hope. Very dramatic, very different from what we do. I actually died on screen, which was one of my bucket list things. I haven't watched it for that it's fact. It's really great. I and know my brother has to. an amazing scene at the end of the show, and we got to work with people like Lauren Holly and Hector Elizondo and Barbara Hershey. Um, and just the amount of Carla Gugino, you know, these amazing people that are associated with the show. So we thought, we're on our way. And then the dry spells start hitting. And you realize you have to go be Santa Claus at the El Portal in between Toy Story 2. <laughs> and then you have to get a job somewhere else, like at Disney, doing funny character work in the streets as an improv actor. And you got to go and start hoping to get commercial. Like, the reality steps in, you know? It's like we were at the top of the hill of the roller coaster and we're ready for a great ride, but it ended real quick. What's the closest you've ever come to quitting? Right now. I was, gonna say, I was like, I think I know the Set answer. But... Every day. <laughs> really? Every day? Every day. And what keeps you going? I'm dumb. <laughs> super dumb. You're not dumb. No, I'm really super dumb. You're not dumb. Positive vibes, positive mind, positive life. I'll take that. You're reading off of my vision board. Yeah. I see now. Okay. That is the thing I've noticed is that the guest sits facing the vision board. Yeah. So you should dream specifically. It says that on our vision board. I like that it says it on our vision board. What we you fear. You should dream specifically. You need to do. You're just University reading. of Southern California. It's yeah. <laughs> my degree. Finish strong. Please uh -huh. don't pee in this room. Wait, what, what? is that? <laughs> We've had some issues in here. I don't know. I mean, there. I, I, 
I guess in a way I do every day think about it because it's, it's exhausting at times and I'm not where I wanted to be at this point, 27 and a half. Right. You know, but then being an actor is like playing the lottery with scratch off tickets. <laughs> Cause you never know when you're going to win. You never know that day that you walk into that room and you read for that part that it's not going to be the moment. And almost like an addict with gambling, you think this is the time. This is the time I'm going to put my 20 bucks on the roulette table and I'm going to win. And you don't win and you go home and you're dejected and you do whatever you do. And then the next day you're like, today's the day. And then you get that little win, that small victory. Best Five dollars from the scratch off card. Yeah. And you go, ah, oh, here it is. Here's the beginning. And some people get huge wins and then crash. And then some people don't ever get the win. So I think it's just specifically for me, I, I do. I think of it every day. What am I doing with my life? Every day. But I'm also kind of crazy. That's fair. Well, no one said no, you're not. Sorry. No, Thank you're you. not. Nope. Too late. Okay. No, you're not. <laughs> so delayed. If you were to quit, what would you do? I don't know if it would be considered quitting the industry, but I probably would. I mean, I love teaching. I've been working with kids and teaching kids, and I love coaching. I've coached. You coach me all the time. Her all the time, sometimes in acting, but mostly baseball. Um, <laughs> so I would do that. I would still, I would still stay in the industry in a way. I think we were talking earlier. It's like, you know, I ran a theater company when I was younger, and I produced, and I've directed, and I've written, but when I was growing into the industry. I just wanted to be an actor. I never thought I could do all of these things, that all of this could be me. So I'd do it, and if I had a success at it, it'd be great, and then I'd still be an actor. And so even though like I have my minor in music, my minor in psychology, I could have pursued all of that. I could have made all of that my life, but I kept being on just being an actor. So I would probably still, I guess, I don't know, I would maybe stop performing and just start teaching or coaching because those are two different things in my head. But I don't know that I could ever walk because this is what I've done. Mm. I don't, I mean, I couldn't go and be a marketing genius. You know, I couldn't go and be a lawyer because I think I would get arrested because I don't know anything about law. <laughs> that was what you said you originally wanted I to do. I literally wanted to be a lawyer. Yeah. Wow. So the opposite. So many people I learned when I was in school. So many of my teachers were either going to be doctors or lawyers and left that. And I think there's a statistic. I don't know what it is. But a lot of people who are in the medical field have left the medical field or in the legal field have left both fields to go into the arts and to be performers or somehow associated with the arts. Wow. So interesting. Because medical field is stressful. So why don't, we, why don't we close with a song? Oh, no. Is this now how to announce that we have a band called Angst? Peter and Mick decided that they're in a ska band together. Right, right, right. right. So, I don't know if it's, I don't Wait, want to say I it's completely ska. <laughs> it's, it's just emotional. It's emotional. It's totally, like, it's hard for us to get the emotions out. It's not ska. It's ska Jason. It's ska Jason. And it's really... Can y'all just sing your song, please? Okay, we're gonna start off today on the first song, a big hat. Oh yeah, slice my elbow. Oh, that's 
That's right. Five, six, seven, eight. I slice my elbow. I open up the skin. And I like to watch it bleed. And it bled and bled, and my heart fell out my mouth for you. Slice my elbow. Slice my elbow. So we're going on tour. Yeah, that took a lot out of me, though. We're starting in Jacksonville. Yeah, and then we're going to over Daytona. And then we're going to finish up in the, uh, uh, actually, a quick trip up to Canada. We're going to Canada to Winnipeg. And then we'll be finishing uh, in Burbank. Right. Yeah. But Burbank adjacent. Burbank adjacent. Burbank adjacent. They call it Burbank adjacent. Well, thank you so much for being here, Peter. I'm just, in my head, I'm just going to, I'm cutting that that happened in my head. It really happened and you need to deal with it. You can't add it Don't lose this moment because it's magical. I wouldn't want to deprive the public of this. What is the ska band called again? Angst. Angst? Angst. Okay. Angst adjacent. It's, it's, it's like angst. But only German. It's. Das ist ein angst adjacent, ja. We are das angst. We are das angst adjacent. And with that... Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. And I get a car for this, right? Yeah, it's waiting for you outside. Oh. It's the, uh, it's the one that you came in here with. I get to keep that car. <laughs> yeah, you get to just keep your car. Oh, nice. Yeah. Anyway, you're the best. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you. <laughs>